Well, I invite you to turn this morning to the book of Daniel. We're continuing our study in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, and I'll be reading this chapter, and we've moved out of the narrative section. Now we come to the apocalyptic, and Daniel chapter 7, 1 through 28, page 884 in your Bibles. Let's give our attention this morning to the word of the Lord. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. And four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then I looked, and its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. And the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one like a bear, it was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I looked, and behold, another like a leopard with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth that devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold... In this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beast, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall rise out of the earth, but the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broke in pieces and stamped what was left with its feet. And about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up, and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them, until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High. 
and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, as for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms. It shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, and his dominion shall be taken away, to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. And there will end the reading of God's Word. Did you get all that? 28 verses that are packed with detail. The general attitude of people in this world is that life will go on forever. That is the general attitude of people. Second Peter, uh, they say, chapter 3, where is the sign of his coming in the end of the world like these Christians say? Where is this coming? Uh, in general, most people believe that history, um, do not live believing that history is moving anywhere. You know, it's like Matt Chandler yesterday. I, I, I didn't want to talk about Matt Chandler today, but it's a sad story. Sitting in his spa saying, look at the water whirling. What a great life I have. And he was dead within the hour. People don't live believing that this is going anywhere. Life will continue on as it always has. And thinking that the sun will be there in the morning and we will get up. And never do they think about what the scriptures have declared everywhere. That there is a great white throne judgment coming. Further, most people live believing that life is progressing in a good direction. Still they believe that, which is remarkable in our times. A good direction, that people are getting better and that with, with a lot of ingenuity and a lot of philanthropy, we can make this world a, a better place and the common problems of humanity can be overcome. All of this, of course, accepted, which is contrary to everything that they see every day on the news. Well, before us, we begin today this apocalyptic section of Daniel, um, a very important section now to the end of the book, obviously a little more challenging uh, than the first six chapters. It's important to say this is not meant to be read like we've been reading Daniel in historical narrative. It's not meant. You notice the shift that has happened here. There's been some apocalyptic in the first language and imagery in the first sections, but it was read and placed in historical narrative for a reason for us in chapters 1 through 6. The dreams and the visions that were in those sections, remember, were for the great King Nebuchadnezzar. It was a warning to earthly leaders, if you remember, uh, the intent to recognize that the kingdoms of this world are all crumbling and that there's only one kingdom that will last forever. And that all these 
earthly rulers, all these kings, all those in authority should recognize that it's the Lord who gives their kingdoms to them. And he establishes them and tears them down as he wills. But these visions now are somewhat different. Uh, They are visions not so much for the earthly pagan kings anymore, but they are visions intended to help you. Uh, They are visions intended to help the exiled people. They are visions intended to help the people of the Lord living in this earth, in this crucible, in this exile, in this struggle, that we would have a good understanding of God's plan, of what's happening, uh, how to think, what to expect, what can we expect, what should we expect, living in this world, in exile, and not home yet. That's what these visions are pushing us to think about and to realize um, the kingdom of Jesus Christ is breaking in, and that has huge implications for the kingdoms of this world. Um, It's Daniel's turn now to receive some visions on his head, of his head. And these visions help us to understand what to expect until the coming of Christ's kingdom arrives in its fullness, and how we are to live in exile, and how we are to have hope in the midst of all this until the end. So I want to look at this fascinating chapter 7 today by considering really the enigma of our world that we're in, the confusion, the confusion that we see, the explanation of what is happening that is given to Daniel, and then the encouragement of who is reigning. And that does tie together everything that we have learned so far. So let's look at this marvelous text today. In the last section... Daniel had been thrown into the lion's den. Those were terrible beasts that Daniel faced. I mean, none of us here would want to go walk the plains of Africa and face a lion. We know what would happen. Uh, Ten times the strength of a human. And Daniel realized the Lord's power to close the mouth of the beast. Uh, Much of that, of course, when we're looking now at these future visions here was metaphorical for us, even though that may physically happen of persecution. It was teaching us something very important. And what it captured for us is really an imagery of this life. We are oppressed and afflicted as God's people in this world. That is the message. That is, we are set apart in the world this way to face and have a Christ-like life in that way to be opposed. This is what Jesus said. If the world hates you, hated me, it will hate you. It is Christ who delivers us. It is Christ who is bringing in the ultimate judgment so that we, would never, we will never be lost to the beast by the beast's power. But on the heel of this now, Daniel receives and, and sees a vision of four great beasts. And these beasts make those, those lions look like kitty cats. This is Daniel's enigmatic way of saying, we are in the lion's den. We are in the lion's den. And we haven't thought enough about that. Look at verse 1 today as we open up this section. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night and behold, four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. We should have enough 
imagery of the scriptures now and study of the scriptures to know that the sea represents all the chaotic powers of this world, a world in turbulence, a world in turmoil. The world in which we live is full of all kinds of turmoil. It is considered a great sea of turmoil and opposition at times. To the Jewish mind, we know that the sea was the place of the abyss, the place, boys and girls, of monsters. The Leviathan appears in the Psalms to describe this. Psalm 74 is a dreadful serpent that is understood to dominate the seas. Isaiah 27.1, Leviathan is a serpent and a symbol of Israel's enemies. Well, here Daniel sees something fascinating. Daniel sees heaven itself stirring up the sea. Heaven has stirred up the sea. This is exactly a micro, uh, there was a microcosm of this with Nebuchadnezzar, remember, when God stirred up the greatest king and kingdom of this world with visions on his head that absolutely panicked Nebuchadnezzar. God was stirring him up. The intention, you'll notice here, was important. The kingdom of heaven bears down on the kingdoms of this world. That's the imagery here. Um, We know from Romans 13 that God establishes governments. God establishes governments for a good end. They've been established by God. There is no figure in office who has not been appointed by God. And they should be, as Romans 13 They should be magistrates that seek for the good, for justice and truth, and for helping people to protect. Um, That's the good intention of government. That's not what we're considering in Daniel. That is not what we're considering in Daniel. What we are looking at in Daniel are kingdoms of this earth, which includes the United States, are kingdoms of this earth that turn beastly in their power. The evil that is behind them. That's the Psalm 2 angle. The Lord said to my Lord, right? um, Why have the nations conspired against the Lord and against his anointed? That's the angle of Daniel as he's looking at this. And in other words, behind all the kingdoms, behind all the kings of this world, behind all the rulers of this world, there is the prince of the power of the air. The one who rules in the sons of disobedience. He is the ruler, Jesus said, of this world. And he affects the kingdoms of this world. He's working behind the kingdoms of this world. We're going to look at in Daniel that clearly angels are stationed. Stationed. Evil angels are stationed over certain regions. And God has to combat. God combats all that. So that we have this This happening in the world, the kingdoms are corrupt, and what happens is is that they move in a cycle of sin. They move in a cycle of iniquity. Um, Daniel is showing us kingdoms drunk in their power, kingdoms drunk in their power and their control and in their devastating tactics to destroy and to overpower other kingdoms. This is the big picture. This is the big picture of what's happening in the kingdoms of this world in darkness. That's why if you compare Daniel and Revelation, which is important since Revelation is borrowing all the language from the Old Testament. Revelation was important for first century Christians, you remember, who were facing the persecution of Rome. 
God is helping us in these apocalyptic visions and imageries given to us, helping us to understand life in the lion's den so that we don't think the American dream is what it's all about. (laughs) He holds the mouth of the lions. He's in control of the mouth of the lions. But these figures you've got to consider. They're the worst kind of beasts we could ever imagine. And God is showcasing that in, his, in this vision. So Daniel begins to say and explain for us what he saw in this vision of Daniel 7. Four beasts come up out of the sea. Try to imagine this um, as I go through it. Boys and girls, you can try to make the imagery in your head to think about this. If you draw it, I'd like to see it. But it's uh, not so easy to get in your head. They're really remarkable beasts, aren't they? The first beast was like a lion. It had on its back huge wings, like an eagle. And the wings were plucked off and then stooped down like a a man. And, And notice, a man's mind is given to this first beast. That's the first. The, um, the second was like a bear. It was like a bear standing on its legs. And I saw in its mouth it had just ripped up something, some animal. It had three ribs it was chewing on between its teeth. It was devouring other animals, other beasts, and all that was left were the ribs in its mouth. He was told, devour much flesh. The third was like a leopard, four wings on its back, four heads was given, and it was given a dominion, and then this dreadful and terrifying beast, a fourth beast, really, really strong beast, iron teeth, and whatever it came in contact with, broke into pieces and stamped what was left under its feet. The last beast was a beast to behold. It's different from all the other beasts. He says, as I was looking at the beasts, I saw these horns. And then a little horn came up, and it plucked off the first three horns. And in the horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking pompous things. Daniel is absolutely terrified. You, if you've ever had a dream, I had a strange dream the other night that I was passing with my family over a lake and alligators were trying to get us. It's really strange. Why would I have a dream? Because I'm in Daniel right now. It has to be. This is a, it was a, I woke up scared. This is how Daniel felt. Terrified when he saw these beasts. These horrid monsters are bearing down on him. And they would rip you apart in a moment. And they would eat you. He says, my heart was anxious. And these visions alarmed me. It doesn't quite even capture the horror that he had. He had a horror nightmare dream. I think the first thing you have to say is, what's being captured for us is, this is the den we are in. What are these beasts? What are we looking at? Well, the first thing we can say is that it corresponds to Nebuchadnezzar's vision back in chapter 2. You remember the figure in Nebuchadnezzar's vision, and the head was a head of gold, 
and then there, it moved down from silver. The breast was, was, was silver and then bronze, and then it had feet of iron and clay. And, and that was given, you remember in Daniel 2, to identify kingdoms, successive kingdoms. And Daniel was given the identity, at least in the first one, to say to Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. And then there'll be a nation after you that is great. And then a nation after you. And then a fourth nation that will come. And we have, we have known throughout history, it's accepted interpretation that that is, that is Babylon and that that's the Medes and Persians and that's Greece and then that's Rome. Accepted interpretation. And the angel speaks this way, but he says, you are that head. You are Babylon, the great head of gold in the image. Now, if you were to press me on this vision, who these beasts are, I would probably, if you were to press me, say that's what he's re- interacting with, those kingdoms. The, mes- the message to Nebuchadnezzar in that vision was, remember, all the kingdoms of this world, think about it, from gold all the way to clay, all the kingdoms of this world, and this is Nebuchadnezzar's point, they're all in decline. All the kingdoms in their greatness throughout history are in decline from God's perspective. And by the end, they will blow away in the wind. They will not be here. And where's Rome today? It's not here. This is what Nebuchadnezzar learned. I'm not convinced that's what's being said here. What we're getting here is an entirely different perspective here to give an explanation of what's happening in the earth. Notice verse 16. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. Would you explain this to me? Daniel says. I want the interpretation. I need to understand this. So he told me the interpretation. These four great beasts are four kings that shall rise out of the earth. Now notice, the angel doesn't tell him who's the head. But in this vision, the beasts are presented, contrary to chapter 2, as getting more powerful and finally crushing the saints. So we're looking at something from a different perspective. We're looking at a vision that is being given from earth's perspective. Daniel is standing, if you will, if you can picture the imagery here, Daniel's in the lion's den and he's looking face to face at the beasts. Whereas Nebuchadnezzar was getting a vision from God describing the crumbling of his kingdom. And what Daniel sees is that things in this life, in this world, in the kingdoms of this world seem to be getting progressively worse. It's this fourth beast that confused Daniel. This beast, says Daniel, was just, I got to know about this beast. It's teeth of iron and it broke in pieces and it stamped everything under its feet. The angel says it's going to devour over all the earth, trample down and break into pieces and it's going to have ten horns and ten kings shall come from it. But it was the horn, says Daniel on his head, that in the midst of these horns was a little horn. And it broke off all the other three. And in his mouth, I saw his mouth. And you know what this horn was doing? It was speaking pompous words. This horn 
said things and made itself greater than everything. And here's what he did. The horn made war. Now notice this. With the saints. And prevailed over them. Verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. What are we looking at? Well, I give a lot of thought to this this week, a lot of study. Um, This is where I think people get really off track with Daniel. Whereas the angel told Nebuchadnezzar, you are the image of gold, the head of gold, uh, and the kingdoms that we follow, we can see successively through history. But what is this? And as I read and I studied, I thought, there's a time clue that's missed here that captures this, that's very important for understanding the whole vision. The time clue is, this will happen for a time, times, and a half a time. Daniel's speaking, big picture. Daniel's speaking of the character of the times when the kingdom of God will break into history. He says for a time, times, and a half a time, the saints will be worn out and given into his hand. What is that time? What is that time? Revelation tells us that at the woman's birth of the male child, remember Revelation 12? She gave birth to a male child who shall do what? Rule the nations with a rod of iron. And the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time, times, and a half a time from the face of the serpent. They will make war against the saints of the Most High. And they shall, Revelation 11, find themselves at some point, the two witnesses, dead in the street for 1,260 days. That's times, time, and a half a time. Same duration. What are we looking at? What are we looking at? We're not looking at so much what people want to do with Daniel in this case. The specific kingdoms of this world and who they are. We're so wanting to identify these kingdoms. What we're looking at is the character of the times until the second coming. What Daniel sees is the deeper problem in the kingdoms of this world that they're beastly and that they grow in evil. But behind it, backing these kingdoms, sprouting up in history, at the culmination of history, which has always, he's always been there, is this horn, this little horn. Who is he? What is the horn that he's talking about? Who is sprouting up in history? And beloved, I can't see this in any other way other than he's describing the Antichrist. The horns and the little horn represent his disturbance in the kingdoms of this world as he influences them in evil. And you see that in his pompous boasting. Now, maybe you could identify figures along the way who did this. But Daniel's thinking bigger. He's thinking theologically. 
Again, Isaiah 14, I quoted a few sermons back. How you are fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, think of the the horn here, I will ascend into heavens, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, I will make myself like the Most High. Where did that start in history? Babel. Pompous words of a figure. New Testament grabs this. 2 Thessalonians 2, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself to be God. That's apocalyptic. He's describing the character of history throughout our time that we're living. And it comes in the worst form. The beastly kingdoms of this world rise up against the Lord and against his anointed and his anointed. And through this figure, this figure that all the New Testament engages and talks about, the Antichrist, who John says has always been in the world, it's progressing. The statement that is crucial to this is verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High, notice this, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change times and law. Let's try to make this somewhat practical here. What do you feel right now, living in the world? Wouldn't it be great if we could practice our faith unhindered by all these politicians? Wouldn't it be great if we could have schools for our children and practice our faith unhindered and create a peaceful life? What is constantly burdening you right now as the times change? What is it that troubles you? Just look at things. Is this so hard to figure out, really? Is it really that hard to figure out? Just take Israel. Look at the nations reeling in war. Look at World War III ready to break out any moment. Look at the economies of this world reeling. What burdens you most? It's the evil in all of this. Have they not changed times and law? Did they not change marriage? That's a big law to change. Are things happening that burden us for the future? Think of all the worries that we have right now. It's all what? Political. It all has to do with the kings and kingdoms of this world. And the directions they're going. And the evil you're seeing escalating. It it, it feels that that's what we're in, doesn't it? The saints feel weak. The saints feel wore out by all this at some point. We can't just tuck away anymore with the American dream. We know that's gone. The horn will speak words against the Most High and wear out the saints of the Most High. That's life in the lion's den. 
evil seems to be getting progressively worse. That's how at least we experience it. It seems like the kingdom of darkness is winning and that we are given into his hand. That we are in this den for a season. But this is where the vision turns to such hope. There's a huge exception in this text, isn't there? It's verse 9. And as I looked in the midst of all these beasts, thrones were placed and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow and the hair of his head as pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame and the streams of fire came out from before him. Thousands times ten thousand served him. uh, 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open and the beast was killed and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. It's really one beast. Notice that. And all dominion was taken away. What are you looking at? What are we looking at? The end of everything. This is Revelation 19. This is the great white throne judgment. Uh, This was the beginning of Revelation 4. As I was in such worry about Rome and all the turmoil of this world, uh, the vision said, I saw a vision and a door was opened in heaven. And what did he say he saw? A throne fixed in heaven and one seated on it. This is exactly what he's describing. God Almighty, in the midst of all this, is on his throne. What a perspective. The time period of all this evil, sorrow, misery, sin and rebellion and beastly kingdoms will come to an end soon in judgment. And verse 26 says, the saints are given in this time to struggle and wear out. Until this time, the court sits in judgment and then dominion is taken from them. Now that's where I think this is so Important to see the great truth of history, beloved. That's what this vision wants to show us in verse 13. We're not pessimists about history. Verse 13, I saw in the night visions and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Think of the imagery of this. Who is this? Who is the one, Revelation 5, worthy to open the scrolls? It was the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is Psalm 2. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at right right hand until I make all your enemies a footstool for your feet. What did Daniel see? He saw the king. He saw Jesus. Verse 14, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall never be destroyed. And that great kingdom shall be given to the saints of the Most High for an everlasting kingdom. That's the end of the matter. That's the end of the matter. And that's the gospel today. You know, look where the gospel has gone. I say this frequently, but it is really remarkable. You have to see the kingdom differently, spread out over time and space from a little room in Jerusalem with 120. Look where the kingdom has gone over all the earth. 
People today are worshiping in spirit and in truth over all the, not on one hill, Jesus said, not on one mountaintop, all over. Look where the gospel has prevailed to the ends of the earth, to Escondido and to China. It's gone everywhere. And these are his people. That's the heart of it. Um, Remember what Hebrews said, we cannot see everything under his feet right now. But did you notice what Daniel says? The kingdom will be given to who? The Son of Man. The Son of Man. Jesus liked that designation. Remember when he was on trial? Caiaphas asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of God? Jesus replied, listen to this. It is as you say, right now, he says, I'm going to go to the cross and suffer and die. But I say to you, here it is, in the future, you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the Mighty One coming with the clouds of heaven. You see what he just did? He owned Daniel. That's me. That's what you're going to see. Daniel 7, he claims right there, I am that king. And on that day, it's all going to be revealed with the white throne judgment when it's set up. John 5, judgment has been given. I've been given, notice that, son has life in himself and has been given the authority to judge because he is the son of man. John 5. He's the Son of Man. Daniel saw the whole snapshot of history right there in this vision. From the initial coming of the kingdom of Christ to its final consummation, the struggle in between was not to discourage you, the saints, but to encourage you in the midst of all this. Think of all the things you're troubled with right now. In the midst of all of this, when you feel worn out by all of this, when persecution hits the highest levels and you feel the depression and the frustration of sin in this world and you struggle even to exist and to live and you feel worn out by it all, do you see what's being said? Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I've overcome it all. As Peter said, he's been given the Name above every name by which people may be saved. And as Paul wrote in Philippians, at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess, He is Lord. So the vision is helping us to understand today what's happening in a world of darkness and to appreciate the kingdom you're involved with, beloved, in light. God's Son has given us light and eternal life. What's happening in the world is not spinning out of control outside of God's plan. He's holding it all, and he's told us exactly how it's going to go among the beasts. He will rebuke them, as we sang. But we are the victors, and I think that's the closing note of this first vision for Daniel. We have to act like it today and believe it. To be a people of faith in the time of our exile. To believe that the victory is won. And to live turning our eyes to heaven. He's told us time and time again, any moment he could come on the clouds of heaven. 
and you will see him. And then the dead in Christ, all of your loved ones who've died, will be raised. And we will be with the Lord and the throne will be set. The throne of judgment will be established. The nations will be judged in finality. And we receive at that time an everlasting kingdom. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. No more, no more sorrow. No more suffering. No more sickness. No more death. No more war. No more locking your door at night. A kingdom where righteousness shall dwell forever. That's coming and closer than you realize. And he's telling us today, make sure we are believing and not unbelieving. The kingdom of righteousness and peace is yours and it will be given to you. So live in hope. This suffering is just for a little while. And after this time, Think of the profession of faith today. After this short time of suffering, he shall establish, perfect, and strengthen you. So look up and look for Christ, for he's coming soon, for this is what he's promised to us. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for this vision today, and thank you for helping us through it. And may we, Lord, have hope in the midst of it of the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Let us not be discouraged in the midst of all this, but to know that though all of this was appointed, the time, times, and half a time, once that period expires, we will see with our eyes the resurrected Savior, with resurrected eyes ourselves, and we will be given a kingdom that endures forever. So for all discouraged in the time, help us, O oh Lord, to have the right perspective and to realize we are on the side of victory and that in Jesus Christ we have eternal life. Thank you for such words. In Jesus' name, amen.